like a raving lunatic that has nothing to lose because you don't. And when you realize that, that's when you make the decision that you're going to play your best. Because if you don't, you don't have it tomorrow. You don't get another 48 minutes. That's what we're here Welcome, everybody, to the Sideline Trap Podcast, Episode 6. My name is Joe Gibbons. I'm here, as usual, with my co-host, Coach Casey Jenkins. What's going on, Coach? I just woke up from a lovely nap. I'm feeling refreshed, ready to go. Now, will you be able to sleep tonight? Are you Absolutely. that kind of person? Yeah. I don't, I don't nap very often. When I nap, I need a nap. So, yeah, <laughs> I'm going to be able to double down, no problem. See, I don't work that way. If I nap, even if I nap for like a half hour after three o'clock, um, it's done. It's over. I won't sleep that night. Let me ask you a question. Is a nap, a 30 minute nap, is that the route or is it is a two hour nap? No, two hour naps. That's a sleep. That's not a nap. Okay. I'm just checking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like anything, anything over 90 minutes becomes a, becomes a full on sleep. Agreed. Agreed. I'm into <laughs> I'm into those more than I am naps. <laughs> right on. Uh, all right. So this week, obviously, again, another great episode. Um, got some some different things lined up. The hoops news. Coach has something to uh, to hit me with here, and then we'll get into this week's um, main topic, which is uh, lessons learned uh, throughout our coaching career. So I assume most of these come from us being head coaches, but some of them may come back to being an assistant. So. Um, so what's new, Coach? What's going on? Well, I figured we'd mix it up a little bit this week. I've got a, I've got a couple of questions that we can bounce back and forth. First off, who is your favorite pro of all time? Oh, favorite pro of all time. And why? It is Manu Ginobili. Mm-hmm. Um, reason being is I think, I think he – he kind of changed the game, especially for a lot of European guys coming over. He was, um, he obviously wasn't the first European guy to come over, but it just seems like he's the one that kind of created this whole Euro, the new, the Euro step thing you see all the time now. And just the way that his game was so fluid, it was just, it looked so easy and effortless, um, to me. And not to mention he was left handed. So that was really cool. <laughs> but uh but yeah he was he was he's my favorite pro of all time which goes against everything i guess <laughs> i kind of stand for as a knicks fan you think it'd be like a nick but we've had a rough 20 years or so and that's like two-thirds of my life so <laughs> yeah but well when you're in those dark times you got to search out for the light yeah and it was manu manu came shining in back <laughs> in 03 and I've, I've i've loved him ever since well how you remember how old was he when he came in the league um I don't re- I don't remember. I know he had a he was already a pro overseas obviously. Yeah, he wasn't like um, a fresh fresh kid. Yeah, I think he he was probably like 20 or maybe 21 or something like that by the time he came over. Yeah. Um my favorite pro of all time was Chris Webber. Ooh. I loved watching Chris Webber play mainly because at that point in my at that point in my playing career I was 
I was pretty much uh, tied to a an elbow jumper, <laughs> more more or less. And uh, I like I liked I liked watching him shoot the ball from there. And then more importantly, I liked he passed the ball really fluidly. Had pretty good vision as a big. And that was one thing I always when I watched him play, I tried to like take and put in my game. I just really liked the way he passed the basketball. You you know you watch a lot of those Kings highlights from those days, and it's like there's a lot of uh, no look stuff and, and and behind the back stuff and it what you know this is a thing I think is kind of crazy is kids see that stuff a lot and it's like it's like flashy and I guess it is but it's it but it's effective that's my favorite part about it it does look good but it's it's effective stuff I just really like that there was like a there was like a sparkly sparkly aspect to his game that I was drawn to. Those old Kings teams were so fun to watch. So fun. So fun. They're grimy. They were little they were like grimy too. I don't know. Like Christy, Paige Stojakovic. Yeah, Christy was always down to fight somebody. Yeah. Body <laughs> Devox patrolling the paint, trying to trying to stop Shaq, which was impossible. No, not possible. Yeah, Swat, swatting out the ball to Robert Ori to fend him <laughs> off. Thanks. Yeah, those, old, those those old Kings teams were fun, man. They were fun. Uh, on the, in that same vein, who's your favorite college hooper of all time? Oh man, it's got to be it's got to be G Mac. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, I'm a North Scranton kid growing up, and so and, you know, a couple blocks away from Jer, followed him through high school, and and then did the whole Syracuse thing, going up a bunch of times to see him play in the dome and and stuff like that. So it's got to be favorite favorite college hooper of all time has got to be the hometown boy Jerry McNamara. Don't blame me there. Don't blame me there at all. I, I took a couple of those trips up north myself. Um, my favorite was JJ Redick. I I, uh, I was a big fan of watching him drop forty on Texas. <laughs> <laughs> and he that dude shoot the lights out, and obviously still does. He's still in the league, chucking it up there. You know what I mean? Speaking of uh, speaking of Texas, I just saw on uh, on Instagram. It's uh, somebody posted the uh, remember that dunk that Hakeem Warwick had. In yes. the NCAA tournament semifinals, the the Texas tea bag, as it's as it's known, <laughs> somebody posted that on Instagram, and I forgot that dunk was that dunk's amazing. It's probably one of the top three dunks I've ever seen. It was pretty good. It was what, what was the nickname for it? The Texas tea bag. Oh my god! <laughs> it's a little. That's like PG thirteen, but hey, whatever. You know, <laughs> you know I didn't. I didn't even know that nickname existed. Yeah. I'm so glad I know now. Yeah. Uh, who's your favorite coach of all time? Personally, or or college pro doesn't matter. High school doesn't matter. Favorite coach of all time? Oh man, that's tough. There's so many good ones. Um, probably. Oh man, I don't know. Put me on the spot. Do you got one? I I kind of I, I went with my high school coaches. They did a lot to set me up and, and got me to figure some things out in life. I had like a tumultuous period in my life when they kind of came in, and uh, I felt like they did me a solid and and righted you know helped me right the ship and figure some things out. So I'm ever ever thankful for them. And then also, uh, not necessarily a favorite, but every everything this guy does and everyone you hear talk about him. It's always it's a glowing stuff is Brad Stevens. Like he's got it figured out like every it seems like every team, every team he has overachieves. Yeah, they yeah, they always do. Um, that's a great that's a great one for 
a professional coach. I guess, I guess probably one of, one of my favorite coaches of all time um, on a personal level is actually our, our favorite producer here, John Fry, his father, Jim Fry. Um, I played AAU for him a couple uh, for a couple summers and uh, it was um, he was the kind of coach that um, made you believe that you were the best player on the floor, even if you weren't that you can literally go out and do anything. um, Even though if you were limited in any way, it didn't matter because he had full confidence in you to try to do that. And so in turn, you had confidence in yourself to go try to do that. Um, and then it was just, I mean, you want to talk about a master motivator. Uh, it was him. It was, there was no other option, but to play, uh, as hard as you can, uh, for coach Fry. So, um, one of those, was he one of those super positive dudes? Not always. I wouldn't say, uh, no, he would, no, he would get on you and stuff like that, but it was always from a place of love. It was always from Mm -hmm. a place of trying to get you better. And he made sure that you understood that and that you knew that. So when he coached you hard, um, it was respectful, um, and it made you want to do more for him. Yeah. The, the, uh, the impact of coaches on, you know, junior high, high school kids is not to be over overstated or understated rather. Um, it's something that I have to, you have to keep in mind as a high school coach yourself, you know, like they, the things you say and do, they remember them and they will take them to heart and, you can't eat something you can't forget in, in the way you, they make you feel, as you said, too. I mean, who, who else, I mean, who else gets to spend two hours a day with you? Like when you're, you know what I mean? Like you're a high school basketball player, you get at least two hours a day with your coach. Yeah. Right? You don't get that with any, I mean, maybe obviously your friends in school and stuff, but you get a sure. teacher for a class, right? Which is 45 minutes, an hour, whatever the case is. Um, but I mean, your coach, you're spending at least two hours a day with, and then you, you know, you're spending bus trips and, and team building stuff outside the the impact, like you said, is it's far and wide. Yeah, for sure. Um, this one kind of ties into that a little bit. What is your, um, worst memory from when you played? Oh man, probably (laughs) the one that sticks out is, is, uh, is hurting my knee. Mm. Um, obviously an injury would stick out, but I, I, uh, I tore my, my meniscus, uh, my right knee when I was like 16 years old and had to get a lot of it removed. And, uh, it's been giving me mostly nothing but trouble since. Um, so that's probably, that's probably the worst memory personally, uh, as a team, you know, two things we, um, in my, my senior year in, uh, in high school, we lost at the buzzer. Uh, in the quarterfinals to an Emotep charter team um, that was a lot better than us. They had like, well, I don't know if they were better than us. They had individually, they were, they had like six D one kids. Um, yeah. <laughs> and we, we had, we had, um, you know, we had one legitimate, you know, D one player, uh, possibly two, but he was a sophomore. Um, and then we, uh, when I was a sophomore at Bishop Hannon, we lost in the state championship and I didn't really get a lot of time. Uh, on that team, but still getting to the state championship game and then losing is uh, a tough pill to swallow, whether you play 32 minutes or zero minutes, which I did. <laughs> of course. Um, by when I was a senior, we we played a team individual. We played Lackawanna Trail twice, and uh, the guy who I eventually coached under was actually the head coach of those teams. And um, they beat us 
once at the buzzer. And then the second game, or I might have these games flip-flop, but the second game was, um, it was really late. We really didn't have a, a chance. It wasn't at the buzzer, but it was a go-ahead. And uh, it always bothered me because I felt like we were we were better. And they it was like a couple things happened late and they had a chance. And it just, and the same kid hit the, the shot. <laughs> and to this day, it bothers me. <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame you. I still think about that buzzer beater, man. Fifty-one mm-hmm. forty-nine. I'll never forget it. Mm-hmm. I still remember the kid. I still remember the kid's name that that made it. And I actually saw him because uh, Emotep is in the state championship like every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw I was watching their game, and I he's a, he was an assistant coach. Whether it was like a year, a year or two ago, and I paused it and sent a picture to all my buddies. <laughs> I was just like, this guy, man. He just won't. <laughs> he won't leave. He won't get out. That's how it goes. Do you have a uh, one of your favorite memories from playing? Uh, favorite memory? Um, I think it's just see the, the funny thing is right. You get you get kind of removed from individual memories, and you kind of just remember like spending time with your boys. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like individual memories, again, like winning the game to go to the state championship and getting Hershey kisses thrown at you. Um, yeah, it's, the, cool. it's the, the sweetest pain you'll ever feel. It's, it was amazing. <laughs> um, and then obviously like, you know, we won the league my senior year, we won the district. Um, so, I mean, those were, those were awesome. Um, so those are, pro- I mean, those are probably the favorite ones, but again, it's like the stuff that I remember is like, you know, I, I remember one of the guys on our team, my junior year, he was a senior. He showed up late. And we were pra- we were practicing at Hoop City, and Coach Johnson made him run. You know, they have the two courts side by side. Mm-hmm. Coach Johnson made him run a seventeen, but one of them was all the way across both courts. <laughs> <laughs> so he made him run like four seventeens for being late. Like that's the stuff that I remember. You know what I mean? Like I don't remember a whole lot um, of other other stuff. Most of the scores I don't remember except for the last one. But um, but yeah, those two things: going to the you know winning the game to go to the state championship, and then winning the league and and the uh, and the district title um, seems, my senior year was pretty cool. It seems to me, uh, as, as far as I'm concerned, that I remember way more of the of the negative things that happened. Like my memory bank for those things is a lot bigger, and a lot of the you know the positive things I remember some of them, but not nearly in the detail. Yeah, right. For some it's reason, exactly, it's exactly right because those things fade, <laughs> man. You you remember how you remember how you felt in that moment. You might remember some some other details around it, but you, you know, you don't remember exactly what happened most of the time. Anyway, I, I, we were playing um, a a local, local team once when I was a senior, I turned it over at the top of the key. The kid I turned it over to was about my, my height. He's like six, four, much better athlete. And he was a much better player. I turned it over to him and he, he gets by me and I was not, much for speed so i had to like and i you know probably looked like a giraffe running you know like i had to catch him and i caught up to him and he was going to yam it and i got i I caught up to him and blocked the shot but i remember still to this day being like like there was no positivity out of that play i was so (laughs) mad that i turned it I, i i threw the basketball directly to him at the top of the key you know, and it was like a on my part for me, that's a really athletic play. Like I'm not much of an athlete. <laughs> it was a pretty good play, but 
it didn't really matter because I was so mad that I turned it over. And that's the stuff I guess we remember. You, well, yeah, you remember. I, and now that you mentioned like the negative stuff, like one of probably the worst memory I have of high school basketball. And I remember this in detail. Like I remember like how much time was on the clock, everything. And we played in the, we played prep in the line at championship my senior year. It's the only time I got to play in the line. It was at Scranton High School. Scranton High School is like sold out. There's like 3,000 people there. Yeah. I airball a three from the left wing. That's like, I don't know, probably like seven feet short of the rim. <laughs> it wasn't even close. Um, and then in the same in the same game, I wasn't paying attention to the kid dribbling the ball. There's three things happened. I wasn't paying attention to the kid dribbling the ball. I was open. He fired a pass at me. It hits me in the groin. Right. I, we lose the ball. And then the last thing that happened, that game, I played so bad this game now that I think about it. <laughs> and then the last thing that happened, right, is is you know coach the prep is on the foul line and coach puts points points his finger toward the floor and and gestures towards the floor and the prep has one uh one free throw remaining so he points his finger to the floor gestures gestures toward the floor and then does the timeout sign so in my <laughs> brain in my brain i'm thinking the shot goes through coach wants a timeout mm -hmm. got it easy right prep kid makes the free throw I call timeout and all you hear is in a dead quiet gym, go Gibby. <laughs> and I thought, Oh my God, I'm dead. <laughs> it was our last time out. So. <clears throat> um, I don't want, we shouldn't get this, make this story time, but I got one more for you. <laughs> so <clears throat> when I played, when, when my coach was, when my head coach was upset, it was always last name. So, <clears throat> you know, I have got two solid years of, of his voice in my head screaming my last name. Fast forward, like, I don't even know, probably like six or seven years after high school, I'm coaching an AAU game at, down at Riverfront. No, I'm sorry. I'm watching his AAU game. I hadn't seen him in a couple of years. He's, he's got his team there. I'm watching him play, and I'm across the gym on the bleachers, and I – I'm talking to somebody next to me and I heard that across the gym and I was like shocked. Like, what, what do you need? He's like, do you have a board? Yeah, I got a board. Bring it over here. Like he was upset with me <laughs> that I wasn't there to have, give him a board, <laughs> so, you know, seven years since the last time I heard him scream my name and it wasn't even my responsibility. Super funny, man. It never ends, man. The coach, never. the coach player dynamic never ends. Never, ever. <laughs> Um, all right, we're going to move on to our next portion of the podcast. We're going to be talking about some of the lessons we've learned uh, through the years and through coaching, whether it be as a head coach or an assistant or what have you. Um, coach, would you like to lead us off? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the, the number one lesson that I think uh, is important that I've learned throughout the years is to confront situations head on. Um, don't let things linger, especially even if it's even if it's player to player turmoil, um, whether it's playing time, um, whether it's, you know, somebody doesn't un understand their role or doesn't understand the expectations. Um, or even if it's a parent issue, if it's a, a parent may have certain expectations, um, you know, I, I think I think you need to confront those things before they arise as best you can uh, by having discussions, by building relationships uh, with the players and with the parents. Um, but confronting those things 
it saves you a lot of headaches on the back end. And, and I kind of learned this the hard way. Um, a couple of years ago, we had some, some inner turmoil uh, between a couple of players of ours and, and they were important pieces. And it wasn't, it wasn't outward. Like if, if you weren't around, if you weren't around our team every day, you wouldn't notice it. Uh, or you might, you might notice it if you really tried to tried to look at us on film and stuff like that, but it wasn't super noticeable. And and, and and me being a young coach, I thought it would work itself out and it just never did. Um, and it lingered throughout, uh, you know, throughout that entire year. And I, I felt that we underachieved quite a bit. And then, you know, this, this past year, we kind of had a little bit of the same thing. Some, some inner turmoil player to player. And I, and, and, you know, I met, I met with each player, um, I met with, you know, everybody that wasn't, that was kind of involved in it and, and basically just tried to confront it um, head on and see how we can find a solution and how we can move forward. And thankfully we did because it, it kind of turned our, it kind of turned our season around because uh, we were not, we were not trending in the right direction while this was going on. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it, I kind of learned that. And then obviously like the, the parents thing, I think you need to, you need to build a relationship uh, with your group of parents. Um, so they feel comfortable talking to you and you feel comfortable talking to them. Um, I think, I think that that can't be, uh, overstated enough. Do you, when you had those conversations with those players, was that on an individual one-on-one -on -one basis or did you, did you have like a group, like a, like a meeting between all players involved and like a group situation? with the like the 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 uh the turmoil the inner mm -hmm. the inner turmoil stuff um i did it all one-on-one -on -one. <laughs> um yeah i brought everybody in and, and we just kind of talked to them and and uh you know most of them just about all of them were, were seniors so it was they've been around me for four years and um you know most of if not all of my guys know if it's if we're in a room and the door is closed um, you can say anything and I'm not going to take offense to it. I don't care. You can tell me that I stink and, and you know, well, let's, let's, let's figure out why so we can move forward because you're still a part of this team. Mm. Um, so yeah, I brought them all in one-on-one -on -one and, and just, and just laid it out to them and basically, and basically gave them an option of, you know, you guys have you guys as an individual and you guys as a group have basically one more shot to try to figure this thing out, or I'm going to figure it out. And it's probably not going to be good if I do. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, we, and we talked it out. We, you know, um, my assistant coach and I, we stayed and met with guys. We were there for like almost two and a half hours after practice. Um, yeah. Just, just, just talking to guys. Yeah, that's the stuff that's needed. Um, the, the number one lesson that I learned, <clears throat> and I think a lot of guys learn this early on, is that I think when you first start, you may be pretty confident in what you in your abilities or your even your thoughts. And the first thing that I learned was I know nothing. And to assume that I always know as little as possible. And that kind of ties in with what with my second lesson learned was networking, because I don't like to network. Um, for I don't know why it's it's not like a comfort area for me. Mm. But Networking is super important in our in our sport um, for obvious reasons. And if you assume you know nothing, you're more willing to network 
because you're going to be striving for more gathering of, of information and resources and assets and things like things like that. Um, but I think that probably happens to a lot of, especially young coaches first when they get there, it's, you know, they think they got it figured out and pretty quickly you realize you do not. Very, almost immediately. Yeah. You figure out you don't. I mean, there's, there's so many things you got to take into account um, that you just, you know, they, when we talked about it in the last, you know, two episodes ago, it was, it was all the stuff that you don't have to deal with as an assistant coach or think about as an assistant coach. Now, you know, now they're on their plate. Um, and, and you hit the nail on the head to, to never stop learning. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's super important to continue to learn as much as you can about this game. Um, the, the number two, the number two lesson, uh, learn that I have is to, and, and I think, I think this one's great for young coaches and I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent there yet, but at least I'm aware that this exists. Sure. It's to know when to cut your losses. And what I what I mean by that is is running your team as a punishment really the best thing that they need at that moment is that going to accomplish something? And I'm not saying that there's there's not value in a, a consequence of you know running a, a, a we call them line drills mm-hmm. uh, suicide or, or you know a 17 or or what have you, but can you find a consequence that's also working on their basketball skills? And then. In the same uh, in the same area, it's you know it is 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 the practice that you're in really worth it at this point? So, my example is we played um, we played in the district semifinals against a team that we had already played twice, um, and it was two days before uh, two days before the game, and our practice just it wasn't good. There was no energy. Uh, our guys were tired. We had a lot of games down the stretch, a lot of physical games. You know our league; it's very physical. Mm-hmm. A lot of physical games down the stretch, and uh, and we just weren't there mentally, mentally or physically. So we we practiced. We went through like the first the first part of practice um, with the skill work, and then we got to the shell drill, and we just we just weren't there. So um, you know, it, a younger I think in my first year probably would have just put them on the line and and you know we're gonna run and if you guys don't want to work then we're gonna run and work um but at that point in the season i just didn't think it was worth it so i told them to go home i told them to call their ride if they needed one um and it was you weren't gonna shoot until you till you waited for your ride or anything like that you know you you go home get some rest and we'll come back uh and hit it hard tomorrow so i think i think knowing when to cut your losses uh, in, in those two senses, uh, is really a lesson that, that I've learned in the last couple of years. Something that I've done, um, I think I did it last year and I've done it a couple of times is when you get to that late portion of the season, that fatigue that you're talking about, I found that it's like, uh, it's, it's kind of good to throw them like a curveball. So we've played like, we've played dodgeball for like the last 20 minutes of a practice and, you know, we shorten our practices and, and as the year goes on, we get them out a little bit early because of some of that stuff. But then every once in a while, when you, when they show up and you can just tell that they've had a tough stretch, uh, we've all right, grab pennies. Here's the dodgeballs. Break up into teams and go go crazy. And that seems to be like a, a good spirited non basketball thing that they can still do together. You know, you still got them there together for a couple more minutes, and uh, we've done that a couple times. 
it's fun, man. I, one of the things that, that I do every year with, with my guys is so our, our league, uh, our league tends to end our league schedule tends to end on a Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously in case there's a playoff for Saturday. So three out of the four years, cause uh, three out of the four years that I've been there, um, I, I do a all-star Friday night. So, Ooh. um, yeah, our guys will come in and, and we'll have a three point contest, we'll have a free throw contest, and then we'll do like a skills competition and that's it. And, and you know, that's, that's the practice because, uh, after the league you have, you know, almost a week in between that and your first district game. So, so might as well let them have some fun. And then this past year we had a, a foreign exchange student from France who his main sport in France was handball. Um, so we let him teach us handball one practice and uh, nice. Yeah, it was super fun, except the like you have no idea how scary handball actually is. I don't even know. Like, I'm not even sure what handball is. It's like it's like basketball mixed with like imagine like water polo on a basketball court. Wow. And but like you just but like they fire the ball. Like you, I played the goalie at one point and uh, <laughs> and, and the, 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 the kid who played handball coming full speed at me and he fired this thing it was just my life flashed before my eyes it was the scariest thing i've ever seen um, oh man yeah I, I bet that friday i bet they look forward to that friday night oh yeah they love it especially because my assistant coach always competes too and he tends to be at the top i think he's won the three-point contest like two years in a row <laughs> uh, so they're always trying to beat him so that it's it's uh it's fun man now i wasn't able to do it um the one year because we had it we actually played in the a league playoff game the following day. So, yeah. Um, so we had to, we had to practice, but uh, it's a really fun night. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to think I'm going to steal some of that from you. I'm going to implement it's something fun, like that. Yeah. Um, something that I picked up over the years and I actually picked this up from a guy, you know, and love too, uh, John Bucci. I, I went, he was always such a great resource for me. Uh, anytime I needed anything, could always call him. One time I called him and I was I was trying to figure out some of uh some of our summer stuff, uh skill development stuff. And he said, Coach, come on down. I'll let you watch <laughs> one of our one of our individual workouts. I said, Okay. So I went down to Riverfront and he had a an eighth grade kid there. And he was working one on one with the eighth grade kid. And um at one point he turned to me and he goes, Assume that they know nothing always assume that they know nothing when you teach this stuff. And I was like, Oh man, that's, it's really great advice because especially in the way I saw it, especially over the years when you build, when you're trying to build a foundation for a defense or an offense or whatever, it doesn't matter. Especially when you have the same group of kids over, over so many years, you tend to, I tend to sometimes uh, skip little details and those little details need to be taught to the the younger kids that are the the freshmen, the newer people. But it's great advice. And then also kids that you assume are knowing it. There's a really great chance they forgot. Yeah. You know, and always assume that they know nothing. I thought that was an excellent piece of advice. Yeah. And that's I'm guilty of that, too. Just kind of skipping over some of the little details, just assuming. Yeah. And it's really anybody, you know, assuming that they had had learned that, whether it's junior high or. Uh, mm-hmm. Or assuming whether I, you know, I had taught that uh, at some point. So super good advice. But while you know, while we're mentioning uh, Booch, man, R.I.P. It's a huge, uh, huge basketball loss for our community. Um, you know, this, in this past year with uh, with Booch passing away. So um, I was lucky enough to play for him uh, in AAU for a little while. 
Um, and obviously it was a huge influence uh, on, on me as a player and a coach. So huge loss for us. Absolutely. He always did. He, ne- he never had to. This is the part that I respected about him. He knew that I, I wanted to be a good coach. So because he knew that, he went out of his way for me time and time again. And he ne- he just did not have to do that. I always respected the fact that he did that for me. And he did that for our, our program, for our, some of our kids. It's just something that he did. Yeah, that was his MO. Mm-hmm. It was just helping anybody in the, in the basketball world. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the... Uh, to move on, the number uh, number three lesson learned um, is that I have is to just be who you are. Um, don't try to emulate somebody on the sideline, whether it's somebody that uh, you kind of look up to or somebody that you have coached under. Um, be yourself, because if you try to be somebody else, it's it's just not going to work. You know, you're not being true to yourself. You're not being true to who you are, and, and the kids are going to, you know, your players are going to see right through that. Um, and and. And to, to get into like kind of a, a more X's and O's aspect of that, I mean, we all steal, right? As basketball mm-hmm. coaches, um, it's important to steal. And it's important to study other player, other players and other coaches. Um, but when you steal, try to make it your own as best you can. Put your own flair on it with what you want to do or or change things around. But steal, but, but, but put your own flair on it. I think that's super important. Uh, that was on my list as well. I had that's another piece of a great piece of advice I got when I was first starting off. Um, um, one of my mentors told me that exact thing: don't try to coach outside of your personality; just coach within your personality, and that's going to get you the truest results. It might not always be the best results, but they're going to be the truest to form. And I always that always made it. Once I, after I heard that, I was just much more comfortable doing the job because I. I think when I was a young coach, I, I saw it as like a, like maybe like a glorified position and really it's like a grinding, it's not really a glorified position. It's a grind position, you know? So it's like, don't, don't make it what it isn't. And then fit that with your personality. My personality, um, isn't a glorified one, you know, it's just not. The, uh, I saw a quote on Twitter um, I don't know, probably a couple of months ago now, but it was in relation to high school basketball. And it basically said that everybody wants to be a head coach on Tuesday and Friday nights, mm-hmm. you know, but nobody wants to be, nobody wants to be a high school basketball coach, you know, the other 355 days of the year. Um, you know, so it's a hundred percent true, man. Like I have an example for, I, we, we just recently started our open gyms and, um, I, this is another area where I've kind of grown because as a, I think just as a human being, I had a player reach out and they were upset with, with open gym. They were upset with how the open gym went. And in the past, there's a really good chance that I would have, I would have, um, um, handled it a little much more aggressively, like a more of like a, all right, then don't come if it's not for you. Right. But I've kind of learned, like, don't get me wrong, in practice, if 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 things aren't going the way they should, that still comes out of my mouth from time to time. Like, <laughs> this might not be for you. You might have to go check out the water polo situation here. <laughs> but, you know, in the 
I've kind of learned over the years, like that's not the way to handle that situation. It's hear the kid out, hear him out. He may be right. He may be wrong. I don't know, but like hear him out. And then you can have an actual conversation about it. It's kind of what you talked about, like meeting something head on, just go talk about it, just communicate about it. Um, the, another area where I've, where I've something else that I figured out, I guess, over the years is to remember this one's difficult for me because I get really tied up and emotional into what we're doing, but it's to remember that they are children and that they have, they're growing as people. Like they have crazy stuff going on in their lives. Like you remember being a kid, you got hormones kicking in every, you know, whatever's going on in your own household. That's a big deal to you. Everything is, is like, seems to be over amplified when you're that age. And it's to remember that they have stuff going on and that they are children. And you have to remember that at times, even though, you know, we do like a tough love thing. Uh, a lot of what we do is like a tough love thing. And we shoot them. I try to shoot my players as bluntly, as straight as possible and give them a real situation. You just can't forget that they are kids. Well, it goes back to the, you know, what we said a couple of weeks ago is you, you know, I think you said in your opinion, you can't coach every player the same. And I agree. Um, you can't because not every kid is the same. Not every kid, you know, learns the same way. Not every kid responds to, uh, you know, a certain type of coaching, whether it's an aggressive style of coaching or a passive style of coaching. Um, and at the end of the day, like you said, they are, they are kids. They got a lot going on. They're teenagers, mm-hmm. man. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, it, we, they've had a long day of school before we get to them. And, and, uh, I'm sure a lot of things happen we don't know about. Yeah. I mean, if you, t- if you take your, you know, a day that's for, for an adult, that's not great. We have different problems than maybe a kid does, but you still have a crap day. You still gotta, it's still, you still carry part of that with you. You know, whatever, if you have a short on cash and the rents do, you still are, that's in your brain somewhere. You know, and they have different problems, but those issues are still there. You know, I had a kid one time who had just the roughest year for for a player. He had uh, multiple deaths in the family. Like it was like a parent. One of his parents had come down with cancer. It was a really rough year. And. I didn't think it was possible for a 17 or 18 year old kid to keep it together like that. But I learned something that year is like people, people can persevere because I think throughout the year he had one, one day where he like really all that tension built up and he kind of snapped and we had to, we had to pull him off and yeah, we knew what was going on. It wasn't a surprise, but it took, I couldn't believe how long it took. Yeah, I mean, those are obviously those are uh, those are adult problems to have as a as a teenager. As a kid, yeah, yeah, and it's certainly not easy. Certainly not easy. Um, the so another thing that I I learned uh, throughout the years is is to to be detailed and organized and have a plan for literally everything. Um, if you're the if you're the head coach and you know this this basketball program and this basketball team means as much to you as you say it does, uh, especially to your players, you know, why do you not have a plan for it? You know, why have you not thought about it in the short term, midterm and, and long term? Um, and then, and then be prepared for when your plan fails because it's more than likely going to fail. So, so do you have a plan B? Do you have a plan C? 
Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's to be detailed. I always thought I was, I was detailed and organized and had a plan for everything. And, and as I've, as I've coached, and I'm sure it will continue to expand, but as I've coached for, you know, three, four years now, um, even the way that I, 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 I'm detailed and even the way I organize things and even the way I plan out things has grown, you know, exponentially, uh, in the way that I do things. And I think, I think a great way to look at it is at the end of the day, we're teachers, Mm -hmm. right? They don't call us teachers. We don't get, you know, we don't get paid like teachers. We're not (laughs) full-time like teachers. Uh, but at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're teachers. Uh, we teach the game of basketball. You know, we, we try to teach life lessons through it. So why not prepare as if you're a teacher, you know what yeah. I mean? Why not, why not prepare um, some of these lessons as, as sort of lesson plans uh, as you try to move along. Um, so, so I think that that's been uh, super important for me and, and you know how, how detailed and, and kind of organized I get I have a million Excel sheets <laughs> yeah. that kind of, that kind of track everything for us. Um, so yeah, I have a bunch. I, I do a lot of stuff. You are way more organized than that on your worst day than I will ever be on my best <laughs> for sure. For sure. It's, it's one of my many, many uh, shortcomings is my lack of organization. Now I've gotten better for sure, but it's just not something I've ever been great at. It's definitely something I've had to work at. Um, you know, what I think, you know, what I think it helps with though being, you know, or being organized and, 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 uh, and being able to, to, to kind of group things together and stuff like that it almost makes me go back and read some of the stuff that I've already done. And it makes me, it makes me think about those things again. Like, like I have a, um, I have a spreadsheet where I've listed all of our drills and basically across the top is the days and across the, uh, the side there, the drills. And I put it, you know, just a check mark of if we did it that day. Mm -hmm. And as I'm doing that after every practice, putting those things in, uh, or in this case, uh, in the off season, because I, I just I just kind of put it together. So as I'm going through in the off season, these check marks in it makes me it makes me think about um, how we structure our practices in the long term to see where where those drills are being done and, and how can I become more efficient uh, teaching those skills. Yeah, another thing that I've learned over the, recently, kind of in the last couple of years is to revisit the past and because uh, it's pretty clear, it was pretty clear that I was not ready when I got the job and uh, wasn't, was not prepared, but it doesn't mean I didn't have some good ideas. And as the years have kind of gone on, what I've done is I've revisited some of my lesson plans, some of my practice plans, notes that I've had, because I keep most of that stuff it's kind of scattered, but I, I have it all <laughs> contained in an area. So from time to time, I'll go back and revisit um, practice or lesson, lesson plans from years past and sync that up with remembering the team that I had that year and try to, you know, there's, there's just little nuggets that maybe I've drawn, I've drawn from because as the years goes on, years go on you know, we're growing and getting better and you're learning more stuff. And some of those good things that you've done, you can't forget about them. Like there's some, there's good stuff in the past. Keep it with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, you know, the, the whole, uh, the quarantine thing has been, uh, great for me in a sense of, I've finally been able to really organize better, uh, all of my old practice plans and scouting reports and, 
our offense and our defense and stuff like that. I, I was able to put it all in binders and things like that, other than just having them in folders laying around. So quarantine was useful for me, despite not being able to get in the gym at all with our guys. We'll see how useful it is long term. <laughs> <laughs> so the last uh, the last thing that I have in terms of lessons learned uh, over the past couple of years is is to surround yourself with coaches that you trust. Um, have an inner circle of coaches um, that you can bounce ideas off, that you can go for advice, um, whether it's a, a mentor or just a, a group of a group of coaches that you trust, uh, you, you know, and you you trust their opinion um, on, on what you're doing or, or maybe a move that you're going to make or stuff like that. And I, that's, again, why, why I love doing this with you is because I, I value your opinion. Uh, I trust your opinion. Um, so it's, I think it's important for, for every coach to have, uh, an, an inner circle of coaches. It's funny that the, I mentioned a couple episodes ago, coach Lynn Dunn, uh, from Kentucky women's team. And, and, and she calls it her board of directors, hmm. um, you know, have a, have a board of directors around where you're all making, you know, you're, you're taking in advice from everybody else and then you're, you're making a decision. So I think that's, that's super important. And it kind of touches back with when you talked about networking, um, you know, to try to meet as many coaches as you can, to try to, to, to talk to them. And, and, you know, obviously the more you meet, the more that you're going to grow relationships with and the more you're going to end up trusting and, and, and being able to add to your quote unquote board of directors. Yeah. It's, um, I, I called you just recently because of that same thing. You know, I trust your opinion. I know, I know you're going to shoot me straight and you like, we have a we have a friendship, and I I can do this with a couple of guys that we where we have a friendship. But you'll you'll give me your honest opinion whether I'm on the wrong path, I'm on the right path, or just you just shoot me straight. And you really need that, uh, and you'll get that a lot from people that from basketball coaches. They don't really they're just going to give you their opinion and not really care about much about the feelings aside because they know you don't really care about that. You're there, you want the details. Yeah, because at the end of the day, the goal is to get better. Correct. Right? Yeah. And and I think as coaches, it's uh, the goal is to help every other coach succeed. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's we don't. It's, it's very rare that a coach wants to, you know, tear another coach down or bring another coach down. Um, so it's a it's a special it's a special community. And and again, if you can surround yourself with people that you trust um, and that you you know you value their what they bring to the table and value their opinion. Um, I, I think that's that's super important, especially for young coaches, because, um, you know, we're still learning a lot of things uh, and we, you know, we we're still learning how to implement those things and, and, and you know, how to how to do all that stuff on the, on the kind of the back end of coaching that's not on the floor. So um, so I think that's super important. Thoroughly agree. Yeah, thoroughly agree. Coach, do you have any more uh, lessons learned? No, that was those were the f- those were the five big ones uh, okay. that, I, that I had down. Yeah. Well, then I'm going to take us to our our hypothetical. Are you prepared for this? We'll see. <laughs> I kind of I kind of tailored this one for you. Okay. Um, because I'm leg- I'm genuinely interested in your answer. All right. After your your team has been playing well through through this whole scenario. By the way, you're playing as well as you can. Gotcha. After after the first quarter, you're down four. After the second quarter, you're down six. After the third quarter, you're down ten. Start of the fourth, you're you've played man to man. You're the whole game as you do. 
your opponent struggles to shoot the ball, are you going to go to a zone? Oh, oh, buddy. <laughs> um, no, I'm not. Okay. T- walk I'm us not. through that. Um, I hate zone. I do. I've always hated it. Um, this is the part that I was looking for. I want you to walk us through because I, I kind of assumed that'd be your answer. <laughs> Uh, I say that, but I have I've switched to zone before. In fact, I switched to zone against you mm-hmm. uh, in the game we talked about. How weeks dare ago. you, kid? The kid forgot his shoes. <laughs> um, so maybe maybe I would switch to zone, but I would do it begrudgingly. Mm-hmm. Um, I just I don't like zone. I, I feel like there's it's yeah, I feel like there's too many breakdowns in a zone, um, and I don't spend me personally. I don't spend a lot of time on it. I don't spend a lot of time teaching it. Um, I spend the, you know, 99% of my time trying to teach, you know, good, solid, fundamental man to man. So, you know, for us to, for us to play zone, um, you got to accept that it's a risk reward, right? You got to accept that breakdowns are probably going to happen, but you're hoping that 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 other team misses enough shots where you can come down and get some scores, um, in between those breakdowns. So, um, I probably would switch the zone, but I wouldn't enjoy it. <laughs> well, let's 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 assume let's assume that you would you you wouldn't want to switch to a zone. What would be something that you maybe would do to help your team uh, in that situation where you're playing a team that maybe isn't sh- can't shoot the ball very well? Your team is playing is playing quite well, but you're still you know you're still Every, after every quarter losing a couple points, what would be something maybe you would change up if not going to a zone where maybe you could kickstart uh, or reverse the trend? If they're not, if they don't shoot the ball particularly well, I'm probably going to pack it in a little bit more uh, and tell guys to, to really sit on the helpline um, longer. And I mean, you know, my teams, we, we end up, we tend to overhelp. So we get hurt a little bit on the backside um, with threes, but, um, we kind of did this against uh, the team we played in the first round of the state playoffs. They didn't uh, they didn't shoot the ball particularly well, so we kind of sagged off a lot um, and played guys in the middle, kind of the middle of the lane, mm-hmm. and dared them to shoot the ball. Um, so yeah, I, I would pack it in. I would sag off a little bit, and I would overhelp even more than we already do. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you know, I'm not. We're stopping short on closeouts. We're not going to run people off the three point line. Right. Um, you know, we'll still late contest, but, but so those are the, those are probably some of the things that I would probably look to change, um, in mid game, as opposed to, to going in as, to going to an actual zone. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to give all the other coaches in our league, just a little more insight into coach Gibbons head so we can get a little, <laughs> a little advantage in the upcoming seasons. <laughs> well, I've played maybe, maybe 10 <laughs> possessions of zone in four years. Yeah, I feel like I've seen most of those. That you've seen, you've seen, shoot. yeah, you've seen a lot of them uh, yeah. in our league. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't played a lot of zone. I've pressed a little bit, uh, but I haven't a zone press. But I haven't played a lot of zone. Um, it's just I, I, yeah, I just I focus, uh, I focus way too much as a coach on our our man to man defense, and then by the time. February rolls around, you realize you haven't worked on zone at all. So we're kind of stuck. I, I saw, well, yeah, I think you saw this too. Uh, we went to a clinic and uh, the 
Jesse McMillan was one of the speakers and he talked about, he had this one, three, one zone that would leave kids on an Island. And I always thought that was a great, uh, that was a great idea in this situation where maybe you're playing really well, but you need something else to, to change up the, the rhythm of the game. And I thought it's an unconventional way. It, I thought it was an unconventional way to change the rhythm of the game. It's not to overpressure, but to actually use more stunting and then leave the ball and, and smother everything else and see if you could create tips or timeouts, five second calls, things of that nature. So that'd be something I would think about doing. But again, you'd have to spend time practicing it, which if you're not doing that, which it might be worth, you know, be worth worthless pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've, we've, um, like I said, we've, we've really focused on our, on our man to man stuff. And I, I think, um, the, the thing with the thing with zone is, and, and this is probably another lesson learned. Uh, I think I had it written down in, in some notes when I was first thinking about this, but I'm just not great at teaching it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and kind of a, a lesson, another lesson learned is to just, teach what you're good at mm-hmm. you know and, and until you're until you understand it you know at a, at a high level and and it can really you know focus on trying to teach it um you know you don't want to send mixed single mixed signals um so yeah i'm, I'm just i'm not i'm not great at teaching his own uh I'm, I'm i think i'm pretty decent at teaching uh man to man um so I, it's it's and even some of those some of those stunts and stuff in man to man, um, you know, you do need, so you do need some of those to try to switch up the, the flow of a game. Mm-hmm. Um, you need, you need something to try to switch up the flow of a game other than, than trying to do the same thing, you know, the definition of insanity type thing. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's, you know, I'm not great at teaching it. So it's hard for me to, to spend time on it and then try to do it in a game when I don't particularly feel confident in the way that I've taught it. Yeah, that, that, that itself would be kind of crazy. If you're not feeling good about teaching it, why are you teaching it? That makes perfect sense. Yeah, it, it's it's uh, it's tough. And I know I know we've talked many times over the past couple of years and I've constantly. How many times have I said that I'm going to play more zone this year? Every year, every, every year. How many? <laughs> how, how much more zone have I played? None. None. Yeah, <laughs> I just think so. uh, I. Now, I, I one of the things I appreciate about how you go about your job is that you're you know, you're good at teaching it. You're confident in teaching it. You clearly do it well. So you stick it out and you ride that. I, I appreciate that and respect that because it's um, I don't know if there's I, I'm not that confident in teaching very many things. There's a couple of things that I'm pretty confident in teaching. But the fact that you're really confident in teaching that man to man defense that you, that you guys implement. I respect it. But I also think it's it's important for us to have tools in the tool belt. So even like especially at high at the high school level, to having some other tools to implement to even because in this situation, especially to just see because I've had these these experiences where you're playing well, you're doing things well, but you're getting you're still getting B and to throw a curveball at a group of high school kids, you can, you know, in my opinion, if, if you're good at doing them, if you're good at running certain defenses, you can steal a couple possessions and that maybe gets you back into a, a manageable port, uh, uh, margin. You know, I just think it's, 
it's important for us to have more tools in our tool belt. And I honestly don't have enough, but I thought it's going to, that has been for me this off season. It's been one of my goals is to add things to that belt where I'm like you, I'm very confident in teaching multiple things because it's going to give us a better advantage. An interesting way of, of, of thinking about it too is, and it just kind of hit me. Like you talked about having, having tools in your, in your tool belt and kind of changing up the game and stealing possessions. Um, for us or for me, I try to steal those possessions in a different manner other than trying to switch up defenses and getting a turnover in a lay or something like that. Like, like baseline out of bounds and sideline out of bounds are super important to yep. me uh, as a coach. Cause I feel like those are, those are easy, easy chances to get good shots. Um, and we've been, we've been pretty successful. I know, obviously with huddle, I can track on how many times we've run them and how many times, you know, we've scored on them and we have a, we have a pretty good clip uh, of being able to score on them. So that's how, for me, that's how I kind of look to, to steal possessions. And, and I've always been in the, in the, in the, you know, the line of, uh, of coaching in a, in a manner of, if I can do what I do better than you do what you do, mm-hmm. then I'm going to give myself an opportunity to win uh, anyway, other than try to shock you. Yeah. Um, so again, it's, it's different. It's different. Uh, it's different ways of doing the same thing, right? Trying to steal possessions yep. different ways, different perspectives. It's pretty, it's pretty clear, clear when you watch any of your film, it, that's a, that's a, a key point for you is those, those sides, those out unders, those after timeouts, uh, uh, you know, after a quarter, those are important possessions to begin for your team. It's pretty clear. You just have to watch. Well, it's, it's, it's special situations, right? I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. think, I, I think about it like this. It's, it's, uh, it's special teams of basketball, right? It's, it's going yeah. out and getting a field goal or two uh, in a basketball game. If I can steal eight to 12 points a game on out of bounds plays, you know, that's, that's eight to 10, eight to 12 points that I haven't had to work that hard to get. True. Um, so I think, I think that gives me an advantage in a, in a, in a different way than maybe switching defenses and trying to get turnovers. Yeah. Well, on that note, Coach, you uh, you want to wrap this thing up? I think so, my man. All right, good deal. We will we will catch you next week. All right, later, Coach. Later, brother. Do not leave anything in this locker room when you walk out. Nothing.